Hey, what's up, New Life Church family? Listen, you might be watching right here in the state of Arkansas, or maybe you're from outside of the state. We want to welcome you on to the digital campus today. Listen, my name's Kevin. I'm the pastor here, and I'm going to be right here in the chat. If you need prayer for anything or anything that we can do for you or your family, please let us know. We would love to help meet that need in your life. Well, listen, Pastor Rick's coming on. We're continuing this series on family. It's going to be great. He's talking about raising children. I don't know about you, but I need more help raising kids. Come on, it's going to be great. So lean in, take some notes. Uh, Pastor Rick's got four kids and he made it, y'all. They're all out of the house. They're all married and they're all serving the Lord. So let's learn from him today. But right now we're going into worship. And I want us just to focus in on the Lord the best that we can. Whether we're in our living rooms or our cars or walking down the street or you might be sitting around a table with your family. Let's just focus in on the Lord today and see what he has for us. Come on, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much, God, for everybody tuning in right now. Lord, I pray that your presence would come to us, God. Some are on here discouraged, God. Some need a, a touch from you. Some of us, God, we need to learn how to parent our kids better and, and follow the Holy Spirit in that. And I just pray today, God, that we would learn, God, that we would grow, and that we would sense you, God, with us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Welcome New Life Church to part three of the family series where I'm trying, I'm gonna try hard to teach parents. The reason why this is hard is because most people are open about things, but not parenting. Many times if you tell somebody, hey, here's some advice on finances, or here's a better way to make a better grade, or here's a way to do a good job interview, teachable, but when it comes to raising their kids, unteachable. So today, I've decided to call this the heart of a wise and godly parent. And at New Life Church, just like other churches, there's all kinds of parents. You have uh, parents who are married with children. You have parents who have adopted a kid or two, even more than that, perhaps. You have parents who have had kids at a hospital or maybe at home with a midwife, but there's one family in our church, they had their kid at the hospital, but not in the hospital. It was in their minivan right in front. They got so close. And we have blended families. That's where two people come together, both with kids, and then they get married, and then their kids are there in the home. We have single moms and single dads, and we have foster parents in our church. Some of you listening right now. And I've noticed that when you are trying to parent, there are times where you just feel stuck. Like, I don't see the progression. Recently, I saw a video of a lady who got stuck in the snow in February. And a young person stopped by and tried to pull her out, uh, but they didn't have a rope. All they had was some jumper cables, and they were convinced it would work. And certainly, the jumper cables broke and I mean, hello, that would never work. But here's the point. When I was watching that, I was thinking about, you know, in order to get unstuck, you're going to need something stronger to pull you out than whatever got you stuck in the first place. And so I know as a parent, when you feel stuck, you know, you, what are you going to do about it? And in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 10, it says, because he's a strong God. The Bible says that when things are messed up, that the Lord moves in and something stronger will take over, but you have to invite him in. And in Proverbs 18.10, it says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to it and they are safe. So we're going to hit the scripture straightforward. We love the word around here. I know you do. And man, the Bible helps us. It's stronger than what we're working with when we're not using the word. So let's start with a good one. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. That word in the Lord, it, it means in the place where you can rest. Like there's a certain rest when you're in the Lord. For this is right. And it says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. And then it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction in the Lord. The reason I like the word so much is because it's hard to raise kids right now. It seems like every time you understand it and you know what to do, it changes. Everything shifts around. And then if you throw on top of that, the days we live in are crazy for sure. Michelle and I, just like the rest of you, 
Uh, we like to clean out our garage from time to time. I shouldn't say we like it. We just know you have to. Every time I clean out our garage, every time, when we're done, I feel like we're never going to have to do it again. Like we did it. It's done now. And then a few months later, it's the same. And this is the way it is in raising kids. You know, it just seems like, okay, we figured it out. No, 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 no. So we're living in a time where it's, it's very difficult. Uh, young people slip away from the things of God quickly. Uh, parents get discouraged quickly. And then you can blame the political parties that are out there. You can blame lyrics uh, in, a, in music. You can blame Snapchat or social media. However, the problem, it's usually more upstream. It's in the home. And that's the reason why I'm talking about the heart of a godly parent. So, you know, when I think about all this, some people say, you know, I don't think you should have a kid right now. The world is too crazy. Well, let me start out by saying, why not? Why not? You don't have a kid because you think it's going to be easy anyway. And then you also don't want to have a kid because you just want to look alike. Somebody who kind of looks like you. And first of all, you may not look that good. Many of you probably don't. Sometimes I'll see the miraculous side of God in the foyer of a church because every man secretively prays that his daughters do not look like him. If you don't have kids yet, man, you don't know that you're going to do that, but it's going to happen. You find out your wife is having a girl and you're going to immediately start praying that she does not look like you. But here's the miracle. Oftentimes, I'm in the foyer of a church, and a dad has his daughter with him, and he, he's not looking so good. But his daughter is beautiful. This little girl, three years old, five years old, she's beautiful. And then I'll say, you look just like your dad. And I catch myself like, man, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. But it's amazing how the Lord can do that. And that girl is pretty, and she does look like her dad, who's not looking good at all. But the truth is, the goal is not just to have a kid because they look like us, and they're a part of us. Well, then what is the goal? The world really only needs one of us walking around, but the world does need a lot of people representing Christ walking around. Um, I have seen people... Uh, throughout the years who have raised their kids in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And man, it's amazing how that family, how much of an influence they are. So some, again, say, this world is so bad, why bring a child into it? We decided not to have any kids and not to raise them in this terrible world. Well, that sounds modern, and it might even sound compassionate, but it doesn't sound biblical. Not to me, because it's not biblical. I think these are the greatest days to raise a child. In Jeremiah 29, the Lord is talking to Israel, and they're living in Babylon, and it's a pagan culture, and he's asking them to have children to tilt the tide of evil. And then it says in Proverbs, to how do you, how do, you do it? It tells a, a family to train up a child in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, 
he will not depart from it. So let me pastor you here just for a second. If you do this, your home is going to be really good, really fast. The word train here is a Hebrew term, and the original word, it's a dietary term. It's a little gross for me to talk about, but for thousands of years, the world did not have the ability to break down food and make it baby food for their kids. Thank God for Gerber, except for spinach-flavored food. as child abuse. Michelle used to do the barley green for her kids. It tasted like turtle spit. Besides all that, in those times, the moms would take a normal meal, cook for the family, and like a bird, she would chew it, just chew it up before she would give it to the baby. The mom would decide when the food was broken down enough for the baby to be able to swallow it and digest it. That's our role as parents, to train up a child every single thing that you learn in life, to teach it to your children, mistakes that you made, your testimony, scripture that you find, to break it down over and over until they can chew it, till they can have it on their own, till a six-year-old can have it. A teenager can understand it. Like you're thinking about it. That's the hardest part of putting a sermon together. If you're teaching a sermon to a bunch of Bible students, it really doesn't take that much work. You just study the Word and you teach the text. But if you're teaching it to Sunday morning where we have young and old, some of you have known the Lord for 50 years. Some of you haven't known the Lord for 50 minutes. And we have some who have been in the Word for a long time. Some do not know the Word at all. So we have to break it down and teach it to where a baby Christian can get it and then someone who's mature can be hungry for even more. But the truth is, I can only give you a meal here. I can't feed you tomorrow. That's where parents come in. So let's look at this verse. In Matthew chapter 18 and verse 1, it says, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? I don't know why. They always wanted to talk about this. And calling to him a child, he put in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you're never going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Wow, he's preaching right there. Jesus is saying, when it comes to kids, I mean business. So today, I'm going to give you some ideas. And uh, I don't know if we'll be able to cover all of these, but I'm going to try. Uh, here, here's some thoughts. First thing I want to talk about is, children, let your success in life, let it start with honor. Honor to your parents. Again, in Ephesians, we read that, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your mother and father. This is the only commandment that has a promise attached to it. And it's very important. You know, the first four commandments are all about you and the Lord, and the last six commandments 
or you and other people. And the first one related to other people is with your parents. And then it has a promise. And if you do this, you'll be successful in life. It'll go well with you. Honor. In court, you address a judge with the words, your honor. You may not even know who that person is, but you're honoring the office of it. This is what I pray for, for you to have in your home. Uh, Even with the presidency of the United States, since I've been an adult, as far back as I can remember, I pray for every president. Some of them I like a lot, and some of them not so much. But I pray for them all, because it's my job to honor the office. And on a side note, as our parents decline in health, because this honor thing doesn't just happen with kids who live at home, we don't obey forever, but we always honor. We must have a plan to help them. Somebody gave me some advice years ago. They said, Rick, always have vision for your calling, have vision for what you do for a living, have vision for your marriage, have vision for your calendar, but also have vision for your parents. Because when they get older, they're going to need you, and you got to decide early on what it's going to look like. But tragically, most children only give honor to their parents at funerals. And I just want to say no words at a funeral can work like if you give the same word today. And it's amazing what happens when you say, Dad, thank you. Thank you for taking me hunting. Or Mom, thank you for dropping me off at practice. Or Mom and Dad, thank you for my bike. Thank you for my room. Thank you for this family. I took these kids who were very spoiled when I was youth pastor many years ago to go to New Orleans, and they lived on the streets with homeless people. We, I didn't let them bring any money. All they had was their driver's license and a sleeping bag, and we went by this place, and I got clothes that looked like they were homeless. And these kids were always griping and complaining about their home and their parents and their siblings, but after a few nights on the streets with those homeless people, when they were in food lines, trying to get some food, begging for money, and uh, cold outside, man, one of these kids just broke down crying, I miss my mama. Yeah, and that's what the scripture's asking for us to realize. Young people, your parents will give you so much more if you give them honor more than complaints. And after they faint and recover when you compliment them, you're going to see a difference. Uh, One kid decided to send a bill for all the work that he did at home to his mom and dad. He said, I charge you $2 for cleaning my room. I charge you a dollar for taking out the garbage. I charge you $3. This is to his parents. I charge you $3 for putting the dishes in the dishwasher. Total amount, you owe me six bucks. And the mom wrote back, for 10 years I've been doing laundry. I charge you $5,000. For dropping you off at all the events, I charge you $10,000. For cooking meals for you for 10 years, I charge you $10,000 more. Total amount, paid with love. I find it very interesting uh, how sacrificial a parent's role is. 
Speaking about expense on raising kids, two dads were discussing the cost of raising kids, and one dad said, it's worth it to me just having somebody around to show me how to work my iPhone and how to watch TikTok. It's just worth it to me. Listen, teens, when you're with your friends and you're mad at your parents because they won't let you do something, and you yell or even say it under your breath, I hate my parents, you need to know something. Sometimes we don't like you so much either. It gets tight in the house. And I find that the Lord is the only thing that can keep the family together. And if you walk into the kitchen and your parents stop talking, this means they're probably talking about you. And some young people say, I wish my parents would stop repeating things over and over. Well, if you would have listened to us the first time, we wouldn't have had to say it over and over and over again. And men, we learn this in marriage. Just today, Michelle uh, said bye to me at the house. And about an hour later, I called her and I said, Michelle, where are you? I'm looking for you all over the house. And she goes, Rick, I, I left. I said, well, why didn't you say bye? She said, I came in there and said bye to you. I kissed you. I didn't even pay attention. Man, we are so messed up in this. So young people, when your parents are saying something, acknowledge it. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. If you sit there with a glazed look in your eyes, they're going to assume you're on drugs or something. So pay attention. Jesus, the only teenager who knew more than his parents in the entire history of the world, he still submitted to them. And the fact is, honoring your parents is it's going to help you as much as it helps them. All right, so number two, train them with consistent discipline. Proverbs 23, 13 says, Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you correct them, they will not die. Like, it's not going to kill them. If you discipline them, you'll deliver their soul from hell. I think it's important that when you're raising kids that you teach them what Michelle and I call first-time obedience. And I'm going to tell you why. Because when you're raising your kids, a lot of times you, you don't really discipline them until you're angry. A real common tactic on raising kids is that parents count. Don't do that. Told you not to do that. Stop doing that. Don't do that. And then they count one, two, and then they get so mad and then they yell. And then the kid can say, they thinking, my parents are serious. I got to stop. Well, why couldn't you have meant that the first time you said it? I believe that we're teaching our kids, you don't have to listen to us until we get angry. And then you need to listen. When you decide to discipline with first-time obedience, you never have to discipline in anger. People choose a lot of different ways to discipline their kids. I could get into some of that right now, and I probably should. But here's what I know. Being consistent is the most important thing. And here's what I also know. Every child is different. Haley was strong-willed, man. Raising her, man, it, we needed prayer, help, wisdom, the word. I got everything, including ulcers trying to raise that girl. But, man, she turned out as a champion, and I'm so thankful uh, that we stayed with it. She now is raising a daughter named Ivy, 
and I tease her about it. I said, if she's like you, she's going to be poison ivy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And then raising Grace, you just never had to really discipline her. All you had to do was look at her, and she'd catch you. And then change, that's what you look for. Uh, it was almost like you gave her a prison term, just looking at her. She couldn't hardly take it. And this job, it's just never done, but being consistent will give you more confidence. Being consistent in the schedule that you put them on, even when they're young. Uh, they eat at the same time, and, uh, and they go to sleep at the same time. So many parents, they just let the kid, the way that they cry and the way that they live, uh, let them just do whatever they want to do. Uh, someone told me recently, yeah, my two-year-old still sleeps with us in our room. It's like, what? Yeah, if you put them in their bed, they cry. Well, then let them cry. Are they raising you or are you raising them? Even with the way that they eat, if a kid doesn't like something, it's like, oh, they don't like that. Well, don't give them something else then. Just you made the meal, have them eat it. If they don't want to eat it all, that's okay. But don't give them ice cream and reward them because they're still hungry. Just say, if you don't want it, you don't have to have it. But that's all you get. And I find that it's the simple little things that are predictable, that the kid just knows it's the way it's going to be. It helps you in raising your kids. Also, fight for quality time. Former President Bush, I love the fact that they asked him the greatest accomplishment in his life. He said he could have he said uh, it was when I was shot down in World War II, or he could have said it was when I was a leader of the CIA, or he could have said it was when I was an ambassador to China or the vice president of the United States of America for eight years or president for four years, but he didn't. He said, my greatest accomplishment is knowing that my children still enjoy coming home to see me. Why? Because of quality time. Uh, some people call it the season of parenting, and that's what it is. You may never have thought parenting is just a season, but it is. Kids will not be around forever. One day they're in a car seat, and the next day they're driving the car. So Michelle, she helped me with this quality time because that's her love language. It is not mine. Uh, my love language is get it done. Let's go to work. Let's get something done. Her love language is to pay attention and look around and see who needs time. So she would look at me and she would say, Rick, you've been, you've been working really hard and uh, you haven't spent enough time with the kids. And I would say, yes, I have. And she would say, okay, true. You have been with the kids, but not all of them. You haven't spent time with that kid lately. And I'll look over. And I don't even remember that kid's name because <laughs> I've been gone so much. It's like, oh, yeah, that kid. I forgot about that kid. I need to spend time with that kid. Well, if it wasn't for Michelle, I'm just so glad that she didn't enable me. She let me know where it was I needed to make adjustments. I thank God for that. And I've also noticed with quality time that kids don't open up quickly. You're going to have to take them on a long drive maybe a trip, take them fishing. And then at some point, without you even prodding, they'll just start opening up. And that's where you learn to listen. For me, I like to solve problems. So when they bring something up, Dad, I was with Charlie and he started cussing. I immediately want to say, well, don't be around Charlie to cuss her. You need to do this and that. But that's not what they want. They want me to listen to them and hear it out. 
That's quality time. So number four, keep your eyes on them. There's people that go to Ancestry.com, which I've never been there. Nothing wrong with it, but a lot of people, they can tell you more about their family decades ago than they can tell you where their teenagers are right now. And I just want to encourage you to watch for danger. Keep your eyes on their activities, who their friends are. Keep your eyes on their phones and their grades. Don't trust everyone. Uh, my kids used to say, Dad, we we'll want to go hang out with so-and-so. And I said, no, I don't know who they are yet. Dad, they go to New Life Church. So what? They go to New Life Church? We have all kinds of people coming to New Life Church. That's not enough. I had to keep my eyes on them. Let them have school friends at school. You can't control all that, and it would be weird if you did. You can try to make some adjustments, but who they go home with, that's your role. And uh, I didn't let our kids spend a night with anybody else until they were much older. And um, so I'm not giving you all of my ideas, but man, I was a youth pastor for a long time, and, and a lot of things happen when people just spend a night and go wherever, and I think it's, it's very dangerous. I think it's also important that you look in their room, look on their phones. I was paying for that phone. I said, kids, I'm going to get you this phone, but I'm going to tell you every now and then, I'm going to ask you to show it to me. And I will not do that after you start paying for your own phone. But right now, it's my phone, and I'm letting you use it. Now, to be honest with you, I didn't check it that much, but every now and then I'd say, hand me your phone. And I just think it's very good. I believe we all live better when someone else is watching us. For me, what helps me a lot is that I lived in the world and I was good at it, and I knew all the tricks of the trade. My parents didn't let me slip and slide through that much, but I still got away with things. And I think it's very important that the kids are not able to play you like a fiddle just because they throw out, the Lord's showing me to do this or whatever it is that they use to work you. And, and by the way, talking about your phones, will you let your kids go anywhere they want 24-7? No, you wouldn't. But when you tell them, uh, go to your room, they're not just in their room anymore. Their phones can go all over the world. So pay attention to what's happening with your children. And number five, teach them the word and prayer. And I'm very thankful that my kids uh, love the Lord. They're all serving the Lord. They all married people who love the Lord. And my, my grandkids, seemingly, they're going towards the things of God. But I think it has a lot to do with the quick times that we would teach our family how to do devotions and how to pray. It was not uncommon for them to see me in study. I know I'm a pastor, and that's why a lot of people don't listen to me on this. But if I would not have been a pastor, I would have still done devotions with my family. And it would not be uncommon for them to see, see us doing devotions in our home. But we did it with them. Start out simple, like with a picture Bible with the little kids and just point to the pictures and tell the stories the best that you know how. If you don't know the story, read it to them. But I, I love that you have an option to get Bibles that young people can even understand and get them into a devotion. When they get older and, uh, and, and they're strong in their reading, then let the reading plan increase as they get older. Uh, get them to little life and kid life and 412 and real life. 
let the church help. Take them to city serve and church camps and let them go on a missions trip. It shocks me how much a parent will put their kids in so many things and then punish them with church or not make it even a priority. And uh, I know that the seasons change when you're in children's ministry and you move to 412, the junior high age, maybe they don't want to go, but it's a very important time for them to go. Or when they get through at 412 to go into real life, maybe they don't want to go. They don't have a friend. It's a very important time for them to go. So I believe teaching them the word, teaching them being faithful in the church and prayer, all of that. So the next one is huge, something we should all bring into our homes especially while you're raising your kids when they're little. Don't make excuses for your kids. Just don't do it. Resist that temptation. Don't make excuses for your kids. James chapter 5 and verse 16 says, Admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. It says admit your faults. Just admit it. Like we can't grow if we don't admit it. So what happens is in our home, if our kid is throwing a fit, let's say a five-year-old kid, could be younger or older, and they're not doing well, throwing a fit, and people are around, you're just constantly apologizing for them. You're just saying, oh, they're tired. They haven't had their nap yet. Oh, they're hungry. That's why they're acting that way. Or they're teething right now. Uh, I, I find that we, we love to come up with excuses. Well, what's a better way? A better way would be to say, sorry about that, we are working on this. We're working on this. So even the child hears that. I find it's very important because if parents don't admit it, the kids will deny it too. And then you just have people denying, like they're spoiled, they're, they're, they're coddled too much, and they just are always blaming it on, on, on this or that, instead of going to the Lord, I need to work on this. Like in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, many of you have heard this verse, if we confess our sins, if, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. If we confess our sins, which means if we don't confess our sins, then he can't forgive our sins. I think it's very important as parents that we admit when we're wrong and we do not cover the compromise of our children. The next point, train them on how to build their confidence. What I mean by this is teach them how to deal with people. If you can tell they're insecure around other people, work on it. If you can tell that they're insecure with math, work on it. If you can tell they've lost their confidence in any way possible, work on it. Uh, with my children, I knew that if they could be good with other people, that they would be better in life. So when someone was coming over, we would coach them on how to treat people when they come over. If it was wintertime, how to take their coat and hang it up for them. Uh, and when they got there, if they wanted coffee, how, how to help with that, or at least to ask them what they want. They were little kids, so they couldn't fix the coffee, but they could tell us uh, that this man want, wants coffee, or to ask their names. We would even give them questions that they could ask the people when they come over. 
Where do you live? How long have you been coming to our church? And my kids got very comfortable in dealing with people, and they still are. I think it's huge. So we would teach them good, better, and best. I would role play. I would knock on the door, and uh, and they would come to the door, and I would try to teach them how to answer a door. And they would say, hello, and then run up to their room. So then I would pull them back together and say, how do we do with that? We did great, Dad. We answered the door. We said hello. Then we went to our rooms. What's that? Is there a way to do this better? What would be better? Well, Dad, it would probably be better if we said hello and then talked to them for a little bit. Yeah, that would be better. But what is best? And we would work on this. I think it's huge to teach your children uh, how to have skill with people, just the fundamentals of what Jesus did and how he dealt with people and whether it's related to honor or communication or listening. I mean, the scripture says it is much better to listen and always be given advice. So give them questions on how to deal with people when they walk into a room with a bunch of strangers instead of them hiding out and being insecure. Teach them how to work the room, how to get to know people. The next one, train them with the 80-10-10 rule. Uh, basically finances. Train them with the 80-10-10 rule. Uh, this is a rule that a lot of people know. Uh, it's live off 80% invest 10% slash save 10% and then tithe 10%. Uh, we would teach our kids the importance of money and how to invest it, how to tithe. Uh, if they made $10 babysitting, uh, $1 going to the Lord, uh, how to save for something that you want or something you want to buy someone else. It, it's the principle is you, you, you have to pay now and play later, or if you just play all the time now with your money and your habits and everything you do, the payment later is going to be more intense. So we would show them simple budgets. Uh, I find that the best budget that a family can live on is the envelope system. You can find that on YouTube and, and look and see how to live uh, with a simple budget. But I find that kids can learn that even in junior high, sometimes even younger than that. Okay, and the last thing I'm going to talk about, some of you may not be interested in this yet because your kids are so young, but I think it's worthy to look at because I started this one when my kids were young. Start praying for their spouse right now and also start working on it. You start early. We taught our kids hundreds of times something I want to give to you right now. No one taught me to do this. I stumbled into it. Uh, but I'm thankful we did. And uh, I would look at each one of my kids. You know, we have Hunter, Haley, Tanner, Grace. So Hunter, being the oldest child, a boy, I would tell him, Hunter, do you know that one day the Lord's going to send you a spouse if that's his will? And if he does, then it's going to be someone who is best friends with Haley and Grace. And then Haley, you're going to marry a boy who's going to be best friends with Hunter and Tanner. And then, uh, Tanner, you're going to marry a girl who's friends with my daughters. And Grace, you're going to marry a young man who I am going to be mad at, <laughs> who's going to be friends with my sons. And, and, you know, not only did I say that, but we would pray for that. And not only that, I would close it out by saying, so listen, everyone, if this is true, 
then we all need to agree when you think you've met the right person. And uh, I think it's very important that you understand that. So most of my kids, maybe all of them, I can't remember, they had someone who was like a counterfeit who came around before they met the person they married. And a lot of times it was the siblings that said, I don't know about that. It's a good person. We like them. They love the Lord, but I just don't know if they were a fit for you. For some reason, I don't feel good about that or whatever it might have been. Fast forward, my kids are all happily married now, and they still do family nights when Michelle and I are gone. I just think it's important that we start working on that when they're young. That's the family. That's the principle of the word. So raising kids, parenting, it's going to take wisdom. And this comes from above. It comes from the Word. So I just wanted to give you that today. With that in mind, you know what I think would be good to do? To bring these thoughts instead of just being concerned. Oh, we're not doing four of them right or whatever. I think it's better if we just bring some of this to the Lord in worship. Let's do that right now. Let's go. 
great word from Pastor Rick, our founding pastor, on raising children. Listen, I love this family series. I don't know about you, but I'm learning a ton. And let's put some of those things in a place we learned today. And maybe we'll have an awesome week with our kids this week. Come on, let's try it out. But listen, if you made a decision to follow Christ today, or you need to talk to a pastor, we would love to follow up with you. Just text next to this number right here, and one of our team members will reach out to you. Well, today we're going to take our tithes and offerings, and as we do that, you'll see three ways that you can give right here on the screen. And I just want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness and giving right here to New Life Church. And because of your giving, we've been able to see people come to know Jesus all across the state and even out of the state. And we want to say thank you for that. We've been able to do outreaches and, and through City Serve meet needs across the state of Arkansas. And because of your giving, we've been able to do that. So we say thank you. Well, as we do every week, we're going to pray for another church right here in the state of Arkansas. It's in Fort Smith. It's called West Ark Church of Christ. His name's Pastor Benjamin. Come on, let's pray over that church today. And also, I want to pray a prayer blessing over you as we go today. So, Father, right now, I thank you for Pastor Benjamin, God, right there at West Ark Church of Christ in Fort Smith. God, I pray that you be with his congregation, Lord. I pray that you be with his college students specifically that he asked prayer for. God, help them on their journey, God, and just bless that church today. And God, I also just pray a prayer of blessing over everybody watching this right now. God, I pray, Lord, that we will be the head and not the tail. Lord, I pray that, God, we will walk by your spirit on a daily basis, God, that we will raise our kids like you want us to do and we'll give them the foundation of the word and prayer in our homes. God, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing right here at New Life Church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, listen, next week we're continuing the family series. Make sure you come back right here at 8 a.m. Have an awesome week. God bless.